back welcome once again to another episode of mike mike and oscar i am your co-host mike one co-host also mike is here the nominations for the oscars are in the rear view but the fallout now needs to be discussed and that's going to be where we turn our attention to today michael yes film twitter is at war no that doesn't michael. sound like them the horn of war has been sounded <laughs> the fires of warning have been lit people are Angry. Oh my I, god, they're ludicrous. I hate that website. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're absolutely out of their minds. Everybody's arguing with everybody. Anatomy of a Fall fans are arguing with Barbie fans. Barbie fans are arguing with everybody. All the pundits are arguing. It's unbelievable. Yeah, uh, we do have a lot of that to discuss, but I guess there's good reason for Barbie fans to at least be upset, despite what way too many men had to say in response we'll get to yeah. all of that let's start with uh talking about studio by studio or at least company by company here and talk about how these companies did uh per c- company uh by nomination tally <laughs> michael <laughs> yeah yeah we got some tallies and stats and then we'll kind of get into the big story but yeah disney led the day for the oscar noms 20 noms overall 18 feature films two shorts obviously disney's got searchlight which had 13 overall noms 20th century pixar marvel Dis- walt disney pictures hulu and i'll be honest like the the niche uh houses there uh, under the Disney window, did better, obviously, with Poor Things and search, 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 Searchlight's 13, if either one of us can speak today. Searchlight. Searchlight. <laughs> Corsage. <laughs> Netflix, second place with 18, 16 feature film noms, plus two shorts, uh, The After and Henry Sugar there. Uh, we had NBC Universal with 18 noms overall. They had 13 for Oppenheimer, five for The Holdovers, Focus Features owned by Universal still, I believe. Apple, even though they you know played nice with some other distributors, Universal and Paramount, they got 13 noms overall, uh, 10 for Killers of the Flower Moon, 3 for Napoleon, WB with 9, Barbie 8, Color Purple with 1, so disappointing day for WB. A24, really a good performance by A24 and Neon this yeah. year. A24 with 7, Zone of Interest 5, Past Lives 2, Neon with 6, Anatomy of a Fall 5, Perfect Days 1 there for Neon. Amazon, the 5 American Fiction, MGM noms there. Paramount, 2 for Mission Impossible, 1 for uh, MTV's Eternal Memory. Uh, Sony only got the 1 for Spider-Verse. And then G-Kids, a bunch of other small production companies, IFC, Bleecker Street, Toho, PBS, etc. 1 apiece. Michael, I... Is this what we thought was going to happen? Most likely, right? With the with the Disney and Universal and Netflix up top. Yeah, the big. I mean, the big boys had the biggest seats at the table. My takeaway from this is that if you're a, a, an independent filmmaker, or like a low budget filmmaker, shouldn't you be sending fruit baskets like every month to A24 and Neon? Mm. Like, isn't that where mm-hmm. you want to end up if you have any kind of Oscars aspirations whatsoever? You know what else is good to send via the mail? Gold Belly. We were talking about. <laughs> This again in the pre-show today. The gold belly is, is delicious. Please stop sending us lobster meat to our studio headquarters. We have nowhere to keep it. <laughs> Send it to this guy named Mike. We'll have to divulge his address and real name, even though he goes by a pseudonym. Anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, yo, you're right. A24 Neon, the niche company, still doing well. Searchlight still doing well. Uh, WB disappointing nine, but you know it's uh, it, it was gonna be a Netflix Disney day no matter what. WB is probably most disappointed about Barbie in general, I would think. Absolutely. So we're going to get there. We want to talk about some happier things first, kind of lead into it. We want to talk about some firsts. Uh, Lily Gladstone, the first indigenous acting nomination. Yeah. You know, shame on you, Academy, but big ups to the Academy for for, for making it Thank God for getting it done. But yeah, what the hell took so long? Steven Spielberg, a record-setting 13 Best Picture nomination as a producer. He produced Maestro this year, which we oftentimes forget. But, yeah, he's behind that. Might have a future in this industry. 
Thelma Schoonmaker has a record-setting ninth film editing nomination, a record set in the category now. And speaking of records, we have John Williams with a record-setting 54th Academy Award nomination. He has also set the record for the oldest living uh, nominee in Oscars history at 91 years old, Michael. And finally, we have Diane Warren. <laughs> yes. Yes. Who set the record setting 21st bottle of scotch opened at 5 a.m. on Oscar nomination day? Uh, the record setting 38th Academy Voodoo doll punctured in various places. Also set the record 302nd dart thrown directly into a photo of Randy Newman she has hanging over her dartboard in her home. This Where poor woman. <laughs> don't. <laughs> Don't show up. Like, don't show up. She needs to have her own awards day. I feel so bad for Don. I feel terrible for a woman who is wildly successful in her career and one of the best ever to do it. I don't know what's going on with me. I'm obsessed with this. Yeah. Well, she did get the honorary governor's award, right? Last year, this year. You think she spit on it at the stage or she waited until she got home for that? (laughs) (laughs) She's she's due, let's just say. (laughs) Diane Warren is due. Uh, just like we're due for a new segment because I'm, I don't know why I'm going so slow here. But uh, I do want to shout out the first-time nominees uh, in the acting branch especially. Ten out of the 20 acting noms this year are first-timers. Blunt, Brooks, Brown, Domingo, Ferreira, Gladstone, Huller, Murphy, Randolph, and Wright. A lot of great first reactions from from them all the academy website published a bunch of them uh variety was was really quick to publish a lot of first reactions and uh and we had a bunch uh in in individual stories from the hollywood reporter which was fun as well so that that was a good part of yet of yesterday michael right or two days ago what there was, was i mean there was other stuff I, I i think scorsese is the oldest director to be nominated and i saw jeffrey wright and sterling k brown the first uh black lead and supporting actor to be nominated from the same movie for the first time ever so you know it's only 2024 <laughs> Well, I, I did enjoy watching that movie again last night. I tried to get you out, but uh, yeah, I was you didn't dying. want to come. Yeah, you, yeah. Well, it was rainy outside, so your back was like buckled over. I have, to, I have the, the physicality of a ninety-seven-year-old man. Yeah, that sucks. Uh, but I don't. I mean, you could lay down on the A-list, A-list <laughs> inclined seats. They don't have you know? beds there. <laughs> well, it's it's as close to a bed as you're going to get in a movie theater. <laughs> Anyway, American Fiction rewatch, pretty awesome. The, the the group I went with last night, a lot of laughs as well, my brother and and, and his friends. But uh, yeah, Michael, that's that's the fun part of this episode. Yeah. Now we must speak of war. Ryan Gosling <laughs> will lead this off with Ryan Gosling speaking out about the Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig snubs. Yeah, so this was uh, the Greta Gerwig, Margot Robbie snubs were by far the widest reaching story from the fallout of Oscar nomination day. The lack of noms for Gerwig and director, Margot Robbie and lead actress, obviously, for Barbie. Everybody had an opinion, and everybody who could pass comment did pass comment. This uh, included ABC World News Tonight, I saw it. This included Hillary Clinton, who was tweeting about it, I saw it. Uh, But Ken himself, Ryan Gosling, his response seemed to ring out the loudest when he released his statement, and after saying how honored he was, was to be nominated for his part in the Barbie movie and prior to his lauding praise on his fellow noms and especially Barbie co-star America Ferreira, uh, Gosling wrote in part this, Michael. There is no Ken without Barbie and there is no Barbie movie without Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie, the two people most responsible for this history-making, globally celebrated film. No recognition would be possible for anyone on the film without their talent, grit, and genius. To say that I'm disappointed that they are not nominated in their respective categories would be an understatement. Against all odds, with nothing but a couple of soulless, scantily clad, and thankfully crotchless dolls, they made us laugh, they broke our hearts, they pushed the culture, and they made history. Their work should be recognized along with the other very deserving nominees. 
Yeah, proving for the billionth time that Ryan Gosling is, in fact, better than all of us. Uh, <laughs> all right, so, look, yes, both Margot and Greta are still nominated elsewhere. Margot as a producer on the film, Greta as a writer for the Adapted Screenplay nomination that Barbie got. This is true, and it's also a fact that way, way, way too many men were happy to shout back in response on Twitter yesterday to anyone who would dare offer their sympathies up for Greta and Margot missing director and actor, respectively. Or actress, respectively, I should say. I, I don't know, like... If that's your response, it would be like, well, they're still nominated, you know. Maybe you should rewatch the movie and you understand why that's the expected and yet still disappointing response for you to, to do. But regardless, moving on. It, it is an issue that Ken is nominated, Barbie isn't, and nor is the highest grossing female director of all time. And we said as much in our last episode when reacting to the nominations, but... This also does happen every year, right? When it comes to the Academy, the Academies sees their results. They're afforded a chance to hopefully do better next time. They look at themselves in the mirror. They take stock. And when the next big movie comes around that's so hyper-feminine and has such a great message and so much positivity and makes so much box office, hopefully they can rectify this problem in the future. And even still, with this happening this year, there may be a bright line ending to all of this snubbery and outrage caused from it. Well, Scott Feinberg wrote a analysis pretty much right after the nominees hit, and that was the headline, Michael. Barbie snubs could jolt the race. So, yes, his analysis begins with some tallies, kind of like we do, but Feinberg quickly transitions into how good performances by Oppie, Poor Things, and Flower Moan were, quote, for many, and that's the key phrase, for many, overshadowed by the Barbie snubs. So, We've seen this on film Twitter. We've seen as many detractors as we've seen cheerleaders of yeah. of the film of mm -hmm. late. And we've also read quotes like Scott has in his article there in his analysis. Go read it. Uh, but quotes that were dismissive of Barbie uh, as, as, a, as a quote unquote Oscars movie. So, like I said, go check that out, read his analysis. But the facts remain. Like, Barbie performed extraordinarily well at the critics and press stages. It performed extraordinarily well at the box office. It held very firm at the Guild nomination stage. And since it got to BAFTA and Ampus, the Academy stage, the elite of the elite, Barbie has waned a little bit. The support for Barbie has waned. It had a bad day at the BAFTAs. Still a solid day at the Academy but things have uh, been going downhill a little bit. Now, sure. Scott mentions what I've called snub powers for years. Uh, and snub powers, I've always tabbed as when a film gets snubbed, a very high-profile snub, that film could then gain a boost, gain powers in the aftermath and the outcry uh, in its favor. And last episode, Michael, I struggled to give you many recent examples, mm -hmm. but Scott filled in. I mean, the most obviously and the most cited example is Argo. When Ben Affleck, Ben Affleck, after a full season of winning Best Director, he was sweeping Best Director. He won the Choice, the Globe, the DGA, and the BAFTA for Best Director. Ben Affleck was snubbed for the Oscar nom, and he... How does that many, happen? Many say... Right. Many say that that is what kind of got Argo over the top for Best Picture and got Affleck the subsequent Best uh, Director wins at the late breaking shows. But look, I mean, Argo also won Choice Globe PGA SAG Ensemble and BAFTA. It was kind of sweeping already. Mm -hmm. So they, these snub powers are something I've always asked, uh, asked the question upon and have never declared so, so vigilantly because or vehemently in my case, usually. I if think... say you put uh, on a cape at night. You fight crime right, vigilantly. Vigil, vigil, vigilantly. <laughs> uh, I think snub... I, I still wonder if snub powers exist. I think they do. They're like Bigfoot. I think they exist. I, I mean, they gotta exist, right? There's so much land out there. There's so much <laughs> potential for Stay these on track. things to Stay be... Stay on out. track. Okay. <laughs> but look at... I mean, we've seen it in, in the precursor season. I mentioned Emily Blunt in a, in a previous episode, but Idris Elba, Emily Blunt, they both got snubbed for Oscar nominations, wound up winning the SAG categories, their respective SAG categories for Beasts of No Nation and A Quiet Place, respectively, after missing, missing Oscar noms. 
Like if, if that's not a backlash, I don't know what is, but mm. some people just ascribe it to, okay, the larger voting body has a different preference than the much smaller voting body. We know that the Screen Actors Guild is like a record-setting number now of 171,000 strong. How many votes is that? How many people actually vote in the Screen Actors Guild? We don't know, but Ampus is only 11,000 strong. So... Yeah, it makes sense that they would go for a much more widely seen popular film and Barbie would keep doing well there. But I, 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 it just comes back to it for me, whether you're talking about snub powers or not, whether you're talking about Barbie's you know g- good resume or not, it's still come up short in second place and silver medal at all the precursors next to Oppenheimer. That's the biggest problem. Yeah. Oppenheimer has bested everything else. Well, that's what I was going to say is like it's it's a nice narrative to talk about snub powers, but I think it's more of a tiebreaker than anything else. Like, I don't right. know that it's that it alone is going to be enough to supersede something that's been sweeping all year above it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, there are some ex- like it's it's incomprehensible how something like Affleck wins the director's guild. And we know there's such a close to a one to one crossover between being nominated at the DGA and being nominated for the Oscar and director. It's like an 80% almost crossover and how you and can win at the DGA, right? How you can win at the DGA and not even, it's like a totally once in a million. So like in that case, sure. But again, that's like you said, that was the case of something that was still sweeping pretty much all year in the best picture category up to that point. So maybe it only just strengthens, strengthened its resume and its resolve. I don't know that that's going to happen for Barbie in best picture, Maybe this does that for Barbie in, in something like screen one of the screenplay categories. Maybe people like want to give it a win over Oppenheimer somewhere on the season, and that's where it ends up happening. Uh, I could see that being in play, but is this going to be enough to propel Barbie to beat Oppenheimer in Best Picture? I, it, it's tough to vote, vote or bet. I, that's why I said both there. I combined the two words. It's <laughs> tough to, to bet on that right now. It is tough to vote on that now. I think yeah. that uh, adapted screenplay... Uh, is relatively open. We've seen American fiction win the Critics' Choice. Uh, we, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what wins USC Scripter. We'll have to wait and see what even gets nominated at the WGA. Thanks for nothing, Writers Guild. <laughs> um, we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, or well, we we know that uh, Anatomy of a Fall won the Golden Globe, which is a combined category there. So. Mm-hmm. We know that no adapted screenplay won there. And we know that Barbie in the Critics Awards went from original, you know, to adapted based on a legality issue. So Barbie's nominated at BAFTA and, and original. And it's, so we, we really don't know how to handle this situation. You may have to look back to like Moonlight. Moonlight bounced back right. and forth from adapted to original or vice versa. I cannot remember. But uh, we do have a situation here where a high profile film is in the midst of this backlash. Is that going to turn the tide in a preferential ballot best picture? Probably not, because you, when you're polarizing as a best picture, that doesn't do well for your best picture voting right. process. Whereas I right. think Oppenheimer is going to be top five for everybody, mm-hmm. right? I mean, what is its floor? Five for most people? So Barbie is going to be 10 on some people's ballots because of this issue. Right. And it's going to be one for other people. So it's going to have to probably win on the ones, I would think. Barbie's going to have to get that threshold vote for number ones. So Which if, if this keeps ever happens going, anyway and probably isn't going to happen for a second place movie. Right. So I would say Oppenheimer is still the front runner and the most likely Oscar winner and as Ann Thompson said it looks unstoppable in her headline and as Clayton Davis said Oppenheimer may be the first best picture blockbuster sweeper and the most and the strongest since Slumdog Millionaire's eight wins a while back yeah you know you talking about snub powers and then having Scott immediately write an article about it and then both of us talking about how Oppenheimer looks unstoppable and then, you know, Clayton alluding to it and Ann Thompson immediately writing about it and their Dom reaction articles as well. It's hmm. it's nice to pretend that we think along the same lines as these industry veterans every once in a while. So that's a that's a good feeling. And uh, in fact, Ann Thompson did start off her Nam recap article saying that Oppenheimer not only led the field with its 13 noms, but is definitively this is her words. It is headed for a best picture win. I don't know. That's kind of tough to argue like we've been talking about all episodes so far. 
Yeah, I've been uh, ever since the Golden Globes kind of shoved me in that direction. And you and I said it on the the betting show with you and Dave. I was like, look, I mean, if Barbie doesn't win comedy or musical and cinematic or box off achievement, I'm gonna be thinking Oppenheimer's going all the all the way. Mm. Uh, especially if it wins drama, and then the Critics' Choice kind of cinched me in that direction, uh, and and the rest of these noms have only just kind of supported that conclusion now. So, like Dave, Clayton Davis cited, I mean Oppenheimer's is as strong of a front runner as we've seen maybe since Nomadland, Mike. I, I'm trying to think back. Yeah, probably. And this is also a ca- an interesting case where I I think it's going to help the ratings for the Oscars that Oppenheimer is the front runner in so many categories. No, because it is so, so like, you know, pick the popular film. (laughs) If it's, there's a good popular film that happens to make a lot of money. Don't shun it for that reason. It could help. It could help. We're going to have more to talk about award shows and ratings later on, but uh, it, it could help. And it's clearly the front runner in at least seven categories. Picture, director, supporting actor for Robert Downey Jr., editing, cinematography, sound, and score. Now, things could go differently in those categories, but it, it is front running based on the precursors. Oppenheimer could, if I can speak and say that name, could potentially win two more in lead actor with Killian Murphy and adapted screenplay, like we said. I mean... We've seen we've seen screenplay categories kind of go back to the chalk pick away from the critical pick in the past as well. But Oppenheimer is likely not winning its other four nominees, makeup and hairstyling, costumes, production designer, supporting actress. So it's probably got a floor of five or six and a ceiling of nine, would you say? Yeah. But that would be that like Clayton Davis was saying, that would be up there with eight trophies won by Slumdog Millionaire for a quote-unquote blockbuster movie performing well at the award stage. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to argue against any of those. They, I mean, those are the resumes. The, all those categories are the ones that have built the track record so far in award season. But I do wonder if we're going to be talking about Barbie and, and a comeback narrative after SAG, because you, you are dealing with a humongous voting body at SAG, and Oppenheimer was never necessarily the front runner for SAG Ensemble but now you could get a SAG Ensemble boost for Barbie potentially yeah what I thought was a wide open and and if Barbie wins best ensemble at SAG everybody's going to thrust it right back into the best picture race are there any is there you think there's enough cynics and old like men's rights people in the academy that are going to take the Barbie backlash against Greta and Marco and be like well we'll show you we'll give We'll give Ken the Oscar. Whenever we've underestimated that voting body at the Academy, <laughs> we have been wrong. Can right? you imagine how befuddled Ryan Gosling would be accepting that award under those circumstances and having robbed Robert Downey Jr. in the process? Like, that would be a weird moment. I, 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 Ryan Gosling strikes me as someone who can handle the weird moment. Yeah, kind oh, he'd be great. Been, I mean, he'd, he'd make he, it all okay. He's one of the few people who could do that. But if he's on the stage and Jimmy Kimmel's on the stage and there's a weird Oscars <laughs> moment coming, I, I I figure, you know, second time's going to be even better than the first. <laughs> but but all right. I mean, that's that's the biggest story, I guess, in a, in a weird way, like anatomy of a fall is catching strays, which makes no sense because, I mean, I know the IndieWire quote of Justine Trier stole Greta Gerwig's Oscar. I kind of resent that with film Twitter yeah, there as well. I mean, I love IndieWire. Don't get me wrong. Their go-to, somebody wrote a headline, and that's their job. Write a headline that grabs you and gets you, get your blood up, and that one worked. Uh, and it's I also important believe. to remember that as as entrenched as these these industry experts are, it's it's total guesswork. I mean, remember last yeah. year, Clayton said that he was if he had to guess, he would have said that Jennifer Lawrence was sixth in that lead actress race, and not uh, any of the the snubs that yeah. uh, that happens. It's all guesswork by their part. But, so you know, yeah, I do believe a lot of people had Justine Trier very high on their list, just like you and I have had yeah. her very high on our directors' list. So who the hell knows? But. I, I mean, look, I mean, we've we've been reading like anonymous ballots, you know, shout out to uh, to Joey Gentili of uh, In Session Film and Academy Queens just published one where he thought Scorsese was the most vulnerable, I want to say. So I just read that. So I, maybe I read that wrong. But I, I've heard detractors saying that other directors were more vulnerable there. Uh, so I'm not sure that Justine Trier was the knockout or, or the, you know, the just right. slip in. Uh, I, the, anyway, I, Anatomy of a Fall has bigger 
<laughs> as bigger storylines going forward as well because Variety published, and, and kudos to them, Variety published quite the story about France's dysfunctional Oscars committee. This comes on the heels of the Caesar Awards and, of course, Anatomy of a Fall's great performance at BAFTA and uh, with the Oscars in terms of nominations. But the Caesar Awards just nominated Anatomy of a Fall for 11 <laughs> and The Taste of Things. Why is The Taste of Things getting so much grief over this? It's really a good movie. Because it shouldn't have been picked. Only... Yeah, right. I get it. I get <laughs> well, it. But it's That's why. Of all the good, it makes it even worse because it's such a Delicious, delectable. <laughs> you're, just, you're just a defender of food. Mm, it's ridiculous. Mm, <laughs> num, num, num. Taste of things, really fucking hot. Anyway, the three nominations <laughs> to the to Anatomy Falls Eleven, Michael. Yeah. But yes, go. You 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 kind of broke this story down, uh, and thank you for doing so. It was a good job by Elsa Kislasi, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Of Variety, talking about and providing context as to what the hell happened, and it seems like nobody can explain. She gives it her best shot, and I mean, you and I have talked about what the hell happened here, and how can you pass up Anatomy of a Fall, and how France's committee of seven ended up picking the taste of things over Anatomy of a Fall uh, at the point in the calendar in which it came time for the French committee to choose their submission for the Oscars. Anatomy of a Fall had, at that point, wowed the festival circuit, won the Palm d'Or, had become the highest-grossing Palm d'Or winner in France in a decade, had Neon signed on as a distributor, you know, that pesky distributor who knows nothing about how to position an international feature for Oscars <laughs> to sex, success, and that's why I'm still celebrating my Once Upon a Time in Hollywood Best Picture win over Parasite. Uh, anyway, and also uh, Anatomy of a Fall had an infinitely higher Q rating then and still does now to this day. Uh, over the taste of things, curating being like how it's, you know, how is that entity known compared to something else just kind of in the zeitgeist. Now, to her credit, Lassie does talk to sources and ruminates on her own guesses as to why this happened to France and their Oscars committee, but for me, it seems as clear as the misogyny that France has always had issue with when it comes to their films being submitted for Oscars, as we've talked about many times in the past here on MMO. I mean, Lassie lays out some reasons. Uh, uh, Justine Trier swears. She chastised the French government during her palm acceptance speech. She's seen as ungrateful and unladylike in those ways. And I mean, how possibly could a country with the reputation of France overlook such blatant disregards for formality? They just, they had to punish her, right? If these are her sins, mm-hmm. they, they, they had, to, it's not just because she's a woman. And hey, was that Gerard Depardieu on his way to another French film award who just passed us? Anyway, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, this is what we're dealing with, right? They, like... You, it's really tough, and Fran, France has done themselves no favors to say it's not misogyny. It's not just because we have double standards for her, for Justine Trier, because she's a woman. Whatever, Whether it's that she did the picture at all, whether she was unladylike in her acceptance speech, or whether she was swearing on the state, criticizing the government, whatever. There is a double standard there, and it seems like France kind of doubled down on that in this instance. And my point is, and as it will continue to be, there seems to be an issue with sexism when it comes to the French with their films, specifically with regards to how they treat female-helmed films, which could be submitted for Oscars as the country's designated choice, and they did themselves no favors in issuing that look this time around. It's a shame, because uh, Anatomy of a Fall could have been a contender for, for the big prize, I would sure. say. It, it probably would have been boosted even to a few more nominees uh, with the supporting cast, I mean, we're, we're we're seeing an academy now able to get past the uh, the subtitle, get past that one inch at the bottom of of the screen, to where uh, you know Bong Joon Ho for, forecasted it, he predicted yep. it, he prophesied it over the future of our of our industry that people would start doing that after Parasites win uh, more so than they had. So, Anatomy of a Falls, a beneficiary of. Or, beneficiary of that just like triangle of sadness was just like past lives is right now this is a good thing this is a good thing for all of us we're seeing better movies at the end of the day we don't got these uh hollow i mean michael how many times have we looked at the best picture 10 and been like well this one is just a doubt like the boys in the boat no offense to the boys in the boat fine movie should not have been a best picture nominee this year it would have been a best picture nominee in the 1997 sure. race, 1990, or to the 2009 race, or it could have been Best Picture nominated mm-hmm. in other years. Films like that. Okay? 
We've seen how many movies like that nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. We're past that, thankfully, with this younger, hipper academy and this more international academy. I think that's that matters. The Taste of Things is a good movie. That being said, <laughs> Anatomy of a Fall is many points higher on both of our lists uh, and uh, will probably remain there. And it, and it sounds like Justine Trier was uh, singled out here and, and there was a grudge. And it's a very small jury and... Well, that's what I was. That's where I'm going. Like, if it is a problem with just these seven jury members or committee members, however you want to describe them, and if they are that out of step with the changing academy and the new academy, and they thought the the more Taste of Things is a movie that probably would have done better in a previous year as well. And if if, if they, you know, if these seven committee members think it's still that old older academy, then they need to be changed. Well, you're trying to posture for a win. I mean, France is trying to posture for a win. And, and, and in my opinion, the taste of things should have been in there regardless, but it did probably get a, another backlash against it if the rumors are true. Uh, and it's I think they must be true, knowing how good that movie is. The, the rumors must be true that the people in that international branch and people who opted in had a bias against the taste of things when voting because they did not pick anatomy of the right. and they wanted to send the message to France. That totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. It really does. Yeah. Anyway, Ugh. we can move on to the Ace Eddie nominations. Thanks for nothing, guys, on our predictions, even <laughs> though I think you and I did well with these. But uh, they did make four categories of, of note for us in terms of our Oscar analysis. Look, the the big story here is all five Oscar-nominated films are Ace Eddie-nominated films. So I don't think it, we're breaking the mold for anything today, but Drama, Anatomy of a Fall, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer were the three crossovers from Oscar to Ace Eddie. Maestro and Past Lives also here. So maybe some points for Maestro and Past Lives overall. Comedy or Musical, Air, American Fiction, Barbie, not nominated at the Oscars, but the holdovers and poor things were. So American Fiction and Barbie, maybe a few points for them. Look, in terms of the animated Ace Eddie, Elemental, Nimona, Spider-Verse are here. Otherwise, Super Mario Brothers and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Where is the boy and the heron? Okay, where is uh, Robot Dreams? Or were they eligible? Were these editors in the guild i did look up the miyazaki team he's been working with these three editors mm-hmm. for a long time they don't have any awards listed on their imdb i so i would have figured maybe if they were eligible in the animated category at the ace Edities, they they would have been nominated at some point in the past okay. so i'm guessing they're not in the guild so right. it's probably not points against boy and the heron in terms of the documentary ace eddie 20 Days in Mariupol is here. Otherwise, four American films, I believe, or I don't know if Joan Baez is an American film. I don't want to jump there. But American Symphony, Joan Baez, Little Richard, and Michael J. Fox. Okay, those are the four other nominees and only one Oscar nom with 20 Days in Mariupol. So what happened to the four other international nominees and doc feature for Ace Eddie? I don't know. Were, were they eligible? We have five international documentary features this year nominated in that category. So I don't know if this tells us anything, but I like to read into things sometimes, Michael, and you guys. I was going to say, the, uh, not that I know anything about the Joan Baez doc specifically, but American Symphony, Little Richard, and Michael J. Fox is the type of doc feature lineup that the Academy just would never, the doc feature branch would never feature those <laughs> movies all in the same lineup. Look, for all year we've been saying international features in the documentary category were going to happen. I mean, we saw three crossed over. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the shortlist stage, even though one didn't get a doc feature nom. Anyway, but we, we knew it was a strong year for international features, but we didn't know how strong. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think as Feinberg wrote, there's there's a lot of disconnect with doc feature in terms of the precursor awards. As we you seen. think <laughs> for the last decade. <laughs> He put it more eloquently. He actually quoted some people in there no, talking about no, how it's I don't want to quote. I don't want to talk to these people. I, 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 we're at the, I just get to chastise. That's it. I think the studios are upset because they're putting out big campaigns behind these uh, you know, documentary shit. features. They, I mean, the, no, God knows what these people are doing. John Batiste gets a, a, a documentary song nominated from American Symphony, but doesn't it's get crazy. a film nominated after everybody had it in the top two. I, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know what <laughs> John Batiste did sing so similar to Questlove right down to being the featured 
music guy on a broadcast cable late night talk show. Yeah. And he gets treated different. I don't understand. Well, th- it's a very different film. Sure. It's, it's, sure. It's, One's we, much we more personal. Yes. Yeah, we, th- this movie had a lot of the tuning of the instruments, which was kind of it hurt my ears, American Symphony, but it was a gorgeous. But we're not talking about winning, story. Mike. Right. We're talking about nominating. <laughs> Just get to I the agree. dance. Get to the dance. Uh, let's look at the upcoming schedule real quick. We have uh, the Australian Academy on February 8th, the DGA and the Art Directors Guild on the 10th of February, Society of Composers and Lyricists, Sec Decorations Society of America, they're on the 13th of February, the Annies are the 17th, the BAFTAs and the MUAs are the 18th of February there, Visual Effects Society on the 21st, SAG on the 24th, PGA and Indie Spirits are both on the on February 25th. And then on March 2nd and 3rd, we got a host of uh, Guild nominations. The Audio Society, uh, Cinema Audio Society, the Golden Reels, both the sound nominees there, sound guilds, USC Scripter, Ace Eddies, and the Guild of Music Supervisors, of course, all leading up to the 10th of March with the Academy Awards. So that's the schedule, courtesy of Next Best Picture. Thanks, guys. And hopefully the Academy Awards can borrow some things from the uh, the Emmys, the, the TV showcase, which finally happened uh, a couple days. What was it, last weekend? Was it last weekend or the weekend before? It was the Monday. It was the Monday. Remember, we oh, had yeah, the double right. Monday that's night right. football right. game. They're Monday going night. against the... They're going against the Monday night football playoff game. Not just any Monday night football game, a playoff game. But, yeah, Emmy broadcast as a whole earned mostly good reviews. We were tweeting about it. We were enjoying it. Uh, but critics at Variety's Roundtable, to a person, they they were happy about it. IndieWire was more measured, as was the rapper deadline, but low-key charming to pleasantly predictable to solid to all right light and forgettable from the new york times wasn't a great review but nothing nothing you know scathing i mean for for to get a mixed review after putting out an award show as we know for for oscar pundits right now would be something that uh, i think (laughs) i think that's a win right anthony anderson did a good job his mom was really funny she was you know yelling people off the stage Yep, that was a great great move he had a constant presence. He, he was incorporated to a lot of the presentations, the reunions. Martin Cheers. That's what Adam. I mean. How easy is that to do? Fun, and, right? And they had the sets all in the family that set. Was great. I mean, and, and then you could still do the presenting groups, and they could yes. chat about the not having their own set, like Sunny and Philadelphia Gang. You know, I mean, you, you had I mean, them that show was up. that was my biggest takeaway is that like this is what the awards should do like have bring us back to those sets bring us back to those those reunions of those people being together for the first time and like it, that's great nostalgia sells how is every oscars campaign or every oscars show not this they give us the uh montages right they give us the highlight videos yeah and oh, once in a while we'll get it. bonnie and clyde to say right. that la la land beat moonlight by <laughs> 100 years in movies yeah. and here are two people like give, give me <laughs> the reunion the of them on a set you know like that's i don't know with with the led and the way that like you could have the background turn into anything like look at mm. mean girls the musical for god's sakes like I, I don't understand why it's this is not that it's not rocket science i mean i it's, and i know that's so mm-hmm. ignorant of me to say and i understand that but like there are things that the oscars could do that would like just be universally approved i think right the, the bits could could go a little fast and furious they, you don't have to have you don't have to have the the all of the old cast members on the stage presenting the award necessarily right and it bumbles and babbles on like we saw with the Godfather thing right you know, it's, <laughs> right right anyway this was preferable I would agree uh, as for the Emmy winners look it was predictable the bear and comedy series beef and limited series succession and drama. Those kept winning major awards. The Bear won six in primetime, ten overall. Beef, five in primetime, eight overall. Succession, six uh, overall and in primetime. But, I mean, you can go down the list. Ton of great wins. Ton of fun speeches. The problem was it was their third speech in how many days because, you know, this is not typical in terms of the award season format, this getting pushed to January of the Emmys. Being off the Globes, off the Critics' Choice so soon, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. 
But we did get a few non-sweepers winning. Quinta Brunson, Nisi Nasbets, Jennifer Coolidge, and of course, Paul Walter Hauser. I thought all four of those speeches were fun. Uh, Paul Walter Hauser's been bringing his speech game. I mean, he rapped one of the speeches. Which was it was like, uh, he, Matt Cardona got a shout out. It was great. Yeah. He, oh, he put in so many pro wrestling references. It was awesome. Nisi Nas Betts had one of the better speeches in a while. She thanked herself, but it was somehow it somehow got, came across <laughs> really funny. And uh, she's just she's been great in Reno nine oh nine one one for for decades. But a good God, she was she was fun to watch up there. Even though I could not watch Dahmer, that was just he just like serial killer playing with his food, for literally and figuratively. Anyway, I watch. have a bad feeling that the ratings are gonna like people won't borrow from the show because of how poor the ratings were and it was but, only did 4.3 million and that's not the takeaway that people should have from the semis show it's, this was it's a good like presentation without a home though i mean it's on a monday night it's up against the nfl right. it had really no choice it's up against two nfl games so you can't right. even get people like hooked by the red carpet and some people stay some people don't and then you get and you know okay you're 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 off your usual season, and you're you're right. You know, back to you're back on, to back on, with these exactly. other shows. You're on the heels of other TV awards that happen. Yeah, with the Critics' Choice and Gold Gloves, like we just said. Yeah, so you get the bad luck of some sweeps kind of carrying through, and yeah, four point three million WTF lowest yet ratings. It's, it's but there bad. is stuff that should be taken away from this presentation of this show. It was really well done. I hope they I hope they do take those things away because mm-hmm. yeah I mean it did get good reviews. Let's go to one more industry story here. Netflix bought the broadcast rights to WWE's Monday Night Raw. Michael, please break it down. Let me know uh, what this means for the industry. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about the uh, pro wrestling side of this, which is probably going to shock some people, but let's start with the financial side for Netflix. Don't ever let them cry poor in the streaming wars. This deal is going to bring (laughs) WWE's weekly flagship show Monday Night Raw to Netflix for the next 10 years, starting in 2025 for the low, low cost of $5 billion total being paid to WWE. And what did Netflix stock do when shareholders got wind of another massive check being written by the streaming giant? Jumped over 10% on Wednesday alone. So the Mm. the, uh, stock is now near $550 a share as their streaming numbers for the quarter beat their estimates as well. So if you work for Netflix, uh, demand a raise is what I'm saying. Mm. Mm. Not going to go into the, uh, the wrestling side or necessarily what this means for WWE. And WWE, for their part, has, you know, they've become like Netflix. They've just figured out ways to make money hand over fist for themselves. And they just had their most profitable year in organization history in 2023 coming off that already. Now they get news that Netflix is going to be handing them a nice stack of $500 million a year for the next decade. They're doing just fine. I wanted to talk a bit about what this means for the landscape of television and live events in general. And for one, I think we're officially at the point where we can declare social media very much not real life because... Think about that uh, NFL playoff game that was exclusive to Peacock. And we reported on that story when it happened like six months ago when the licensing deal was done. Peacock uh, paid $111 million, I think it was, to the NFL to have the exclusive streaming rights and have the exclusive broadcast rights for that NFL game. And all you saw on Twitter during that NFL game was people complaining that it was on Peacock and how dare, like, I can't find Peacock. Why do I have to sign up for Peacock? I don't want this. This is ridiculous. Blah, 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 blah. That was all that was on social media. And yet what happened with that game? It was the the biggest streaming show of all time. It had the biggest streaming audience all at one time ever. So I don't know that those two things necessarily correlate at all anymore. That's one. Two, this is a big deal that Netflix is getting into the live event game, isn't it? Yeah. SAG, obviously, is a, a minor step in that direction. They're going to be airing the uh, the Screen Actors Guild Awards. But, sure. like, having something contracted like this in the way that the uh, in, in Apple TV has the, I think it's MLS. They also have a contract with MLB. Amazon has MLB, and they also have, I think, the WNBA. Uh, the NBA's broadcast deal, I think, is coming up in a couple of years. Like, mm-hmm. th- we might be moving. We talked recently, not that long ago, about how live events are becoming kind of untenable for cable as it is. They may all be going to streaming soon. It's it's becoming a, more of an exodus, right? I mean, isn't this the inevitability? Unless these uh, these networks and the cable uh, function, you know, the cable groups start consolidating, start consolidating, and, and and fight against the streamers because these wars are being won. 
you know, a couple of major live events at a time. And, and, and that's why people are watching TV now. And, and, and according to the ratings, guys, according to Nielsen's ratings, people are watching football on, on cable TV and, and network TV, and they're watching live events. And if that goes to streaming, we're going to be looking at five, six, seven streaming services, and the cable bundle is going to go the way of the dodo. That's what's happening. Well, here's the only concern I have, though, and I don't think I, – like, I think of what you're saying is right, but streaming is just becoming cable, right? Streaming is – yeah, they're copying the best of cable except with the ginormous on-demand library that comes with it. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, it's going to be more of an on-demand library for Netflix as the priority with some live options, and they're going to be able to do that seamlessly, I would say. And the more these, you know, half a billion dollar deal per year deals get done and put out, the higher the subscription cost is going to go. So I don't know that there's like the 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 era in which you can cord cut from cable and definitely save money. I think that might become passe as the biggest streaming giants become more entrenched with the stuff that you would have cable for anyway. The streaming giants are going to get together and they're going to put a flat cost on all this stuff with and without sports and levels of it. And it's going to be the cable bundle yeah, souped up. That's what I mean. But the streaming bundle, that's they've what's just, coming. They've just remade point. cable. <laughs> yeah. But instead of featuring the, you know, on, you know, the, the channel changing, you're featuring the on demand. Instead that's, of that's paying what's... per on demand movie, <laughs> right. you pay for it once a month. Right. Yeah, this is what we're. This is it. This is the future. That 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 we. I think we finally get it. Right. We finally got it. Oh Netflix God. is going to be. Well, but but unless these cape these streamers get it together at these, you know these uh, Hollywood giants, these old guard cable networks. I don't know. They better get that going, or else. They're they're in trouble. Netflix and Amazon and Apple are just going to keep crushing them. Yeah, I think they're. Well, I think that's where we're headed. I think Amazon. I think all those are just going to keep buying the. the st- we're we're going to get to a point, and I mean, we talked about this already. Zasloff wants this to happen. Well, the streamers are going to start buying some of the bigger studio. They already have, obviously. Amazon bought MGM, but that, I think that's where mm-hmm. we're headed. Zaslav wants to sell. He wants to, to sell to, to Amazon or Apple. Yeah, to a- Amazon or Apple. Yeah. Anyway, all right. So that's the uh, the industry news portion here. We'll, we could finish up with a couple trailers. I know a couple dropped like right before we hit record today. We'll have to get those on a on a, on a forthcoming Oscar race checkpoint. But a couple of future Oscar movies, perhaps, uh, release some trailers. Michael, Back to Black. This chronicles the life and music of Amy Winehouse through the journey of adolescence to adulthood and the creation of one of the best-selling albums of all time, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson of Nowhere Boy and Fifty Shades of Grey. Uh, she reteams with writer Matt Greenhow, uh, Haug of uh, Nowhere Boy and Film Stars Don't Die in Liverpool. Marissa Abella is Amy Winehouse. Jack O'Connell, Leslie Manville. Eddie Mars an all-star. What did you think of this trailer, Michael? Uh, it was fine. I look. I'm not a big Winehouse person. I, that's not me saying I don't like Amy Winehouse. I just don't know all that much about her. And I know there are people out there who deify her. I, I never. But you heard. know the hits. Yeah, but that's hits. it. Like I, I know her top forty hits, but I never really delved much into her catalog. I know her struggles and her demons, but I never really looked up much about her personal life. I know she's a tragic figure, and I know she's like otherworldly talented, but I have no idea what to expect from this biopic. So did the trailer kind of hook you into wanting to know? Did did it work? It I mean she look Marissa Abella looks like Amy Winehouse, but that I mean to me that means So nothing. no. Yeah, no, I did I, I despise this trailer. I okay. I like All right. I like Amy Winehouse's music. I remember having that album on an iPod. <laughs> remember those? Uh back in the day. <laughs> I remember having it on iTunes. It was a purchase on iTunes. I remember, you know, loving Amy Winehouse's music back when. Uh but uh yeah, I don't uh I don't see this movie doing all that well. It's coming out in May? April? It's coming out April overseas. It'll drop May tenth, I think is the date in the state side. This seems like a resume builder more than an awards chaser seemed like a giant teaser where they were just showing us 
you know, the fun stuff, but we know it's going to be a heavy story about right. addiction, don't we? I think that's what I remember about her. But again, my I am very unqualified to speak on the real life happenings of Amy Winehouse. Whenever you see like the Whitney Houston doc was or the uh, right biopic was good, but they clearly went past all of the addiction stuff and they kind of, you know, which you can't do if you're going to do a biopic. To, yeah. I mean, yeah, like that's they chose not to focus on it. It's horrible, but that's what the biopic is. That's the bio and biopic. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see what they do. Okay, Spaceman. We have to talk about this trailer because <laughs> this is us, and we've been previewing this movie for four years. Yes. Andrew Morgan texted us when the trailer came out saying it does exist Yes, uh, on our group chat text there. This is Johan Rank of Chernobyl, uh, based on the book Spaceman of Bohemia. Adam Sandler, Carrie Mulligan, voice of Paul Dano as the alien spider. Yeah, and Mike, I what can't is tell going you, on? I cannot tell you how happy I was for you when I saw there actually was a spider in this movie because you, more than anyone, badly uh-huh. needed a win in the why would this animal also, Mike said, was in this movie actually show up in this movie category. Listen, we all still won with Decision to Leave being great despite no werewolves. When you when you doubled down saying that there was either a monkey or a spider or something in this movie coming off of how Decision to Leave has to be a werewolf movie, I was so nervous. <laughs> I got bad intel, all right? I got bad intel about Decision to Leave, but I still love the movie. Um, great this movie. Space you, Man You hated this trailer. A, I, I thought this was a good trailer. Huge spider in it. That's a yeah. huge alien spider. That's a big that spider. Is, Paul Dano may I'm, have been born... To voice a psychedelic space spider, by the way. Great voice. Great voice. Yes. It just makes no sense because Adam Sandler is just having some serious, seriously traumatic flashbacks to his relationship with Carrie Mulligan Mm -hmm. on the, you know, on the skids or just having problems with that. And like, it's a dramatic trailer. And then there's a big giant spider. (laughs) In well, space. What did you think of the movie Enemy? The the Enemy trailer was complete. Uh, you knew it was fantasy. This you don't know. I don't know what's going on. I don't think you knew it was fantasy off of that. I, I like, remember Enemy. I remember Enemy. But who? But it was like a mind bender from Villeneuve. Well, yeah, that's what I. Uh, you don't think that's what this is? This tonally, this makes no sense. It just makes no sense. I, I think it looks stupid. I just that's where I'm at. I'm sorry, Netflix. You've cut some good trailers of late. I look at this trailer. I'm like, this is a March drama, and it looks ridiculous. I thought it looked interesting. All right, well, you're see. gonna watch this day one on Netflix. All right, no, you watch day, it and you tell me. How. One. All right, no. you watch it. You have to watch it now. You've talked me. <laughs> okay. You've talked yourself into watching this now. You I'll have watch to watch this. it and tell I'll me. I'll absolutely how it is. watch it. Yeah. I'll, Good. I'll, you I'll, fucking. You fucking. You fucking. <laughs> watch it. All right. <laughs> Give me a break. Uh, Abigail is another yeah. one. Trailer is kind of ridiculous. After a this, group I agree. Of criminals with you about. kidnap the ballerina daughter of a powerful underworld figure. They retreat to an isolated mansion, unaware that they're locked inside with no normal little girl. Directed by Radio Silence, Matt Bet- Bettinelli, Opine, and Tyler Gillet. Scream and Scream 6 and Ready or Not. Guy Busick, the writer of those same three films, and Stephen Shields. Otherwise, this uh, Abigail stars Melissa Barrera, Catherine Newton, Dan Stevens, and Giancarlo Esposito, Michael. This is Saw 2. This is Saw 2, but Vampire Girl. It's I Saw think, 2 if it took I place in the it. house from Ready or Not, crossed with that episode from Barry where the little girl is really good at karate, but instead of karate, vampire. Uh, I'm in. <laughs> You're in? Yeah. I think... It looks ridiculous. It looks ridiculous. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't does. look. It the does. trailer is so jarring and just over the top loud. It's just the kid. It's just. It's it's a typical. I mean, it's a trailer. Horror. Yeah, it's it's tropey. It's absolutely. It's tropey. a bad trailer. Yeah. Uh, you mean cut it's a not new a good trailer. trailer? Give us a. But it's insane, and it's it looks it looks it looks dumb. I'm gonna say it looks dumb, <laughs> and that's why I, I, it appeals to me. <laughs> I like the premise. I like the casting. If a little girl was a vampire coming at you, wouldn't you just boot her right in the fucking face? (laughs) And that'd be the end of your movie? (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, I know. Look, look, I'm not talking about hitting a kid. I'm saying there, you are trapped in a house where you cannot escape with a girl who wants to kill you because she is an otherworldly being. Mm-hmm. You can kick that thing in the face. There might be kicking in the face. Right? In I mean, I'm not crazy I here. I don't know. I, I think... Uh, I think trailer execution is nails on a chalkboard for Abigail. I was not a fan, but um, I like the filmmakers. The premise has potential. It, can it be an Oscar palette cleanser, Oscar movie palette cleanser for us, perhaps? I had Universal, higher Universal, they should just name this movie Scream 7 and dare Paramount and Spyglass to sue them. <laughs> Wouldn't that, like, you got the Radio Silence guys, you got the writer, the directors, you got Melissa Barrera, just title this Scream 7, and just, come on, Paramount. It's Saw 2 because it's in a house, and it's Scream 7 because... Saw 2, it's Scream 7 for ridiculous reasons, but it is, I mean, Saw 2 was the same concept. It was a house of horrors that they couldn't escape from until they played these games and blah, blah, blah. Somebody trying to kill them, and et cetera. Hmm. Hmm. I think, uh... I think uh, Giancarlo Esposito screwed these people over. Is what I think. <laughs> he should just play. He should just play uh, the Chicken Man. What's his name? Why can't I think of his name? I, don't, I can't think of it either. Sats. That's Saul is the Gus Fring. Gus I was gonna Fring. say. I was gonna call him Saul too. But yeah, I know Gus Fring. He should play. Just this should be Gus Fring setting this up for these poor people. And Vampire he, Girl. He kind of is. Yeah. Hey, sometimes if you if you if you're typecast and you do it well, I'm not against. I'm not against these guys doing another horror movie. I'm not against Esposito playing Gus Frank. You're telling me if this movie was titled Scream Seven, it wouldn't get more people in the theaters under a complete fraudulent marketing. <laughs> if this <laughs> was not the marketing and they just hit it and they just showed those people like no 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 market it as it is just call it scream seven (laughs) it's time to end the episode (laughs) about to have another breakdown folks full of all these great ideas and nobody takes them uh nobody takes them nobody do nobody 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 take his ideas nobody do nobody do as always, what matters most to us, dear listener, are your thoughts. Uh, what do you think about anything we talked about in this episode? Obviously, your thoughts on these trailers, your thoughts on film Twitter being on fire after the Oscar noms and the fallout therein, uh, the big stories that we covered from the trades, the big story about uh, Netflix getting the rights to Raw. Let us know all of that, as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you may have about anything we do here in the MMO Empire. Uh, you can leave us those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter or X, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear podcasts, including and especially the Apple Podcasts and Spotify apps. And if you appreciate what we do here, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review on those apps, that would uh, help us out very much. Uh, as we asked for last episode, the Mike, Mike, and Oscars award shows are coming. If you guys want to give us your categories and your noms, uh, as long as we can air them, do we'll it. do our best to uh, to air those out. You can email <laughs> those. Uh, we'll pick winners. If you want us to pick winners, you can pick your own winner. We'll shout you out for that. Let us know. Uh, you can send those along to our socials or our email as well. Michael, tell the good people what's coming next from us, and let's have some words of wisdom to end on. Well, it is wise to bear arms on Twitter and just, just. I mean, if you get your licks in, I mean, just, if you're going to get your... You can't go easy. You have to go hard into that good night. Now, I think, um, I think it is wise to stay away from some of this discourse burn that site down burn it getting kind of toxic but Mm -hmm. uh there are some fascinating awards angles to this i i I think it does matter that's why we covered it today so Mm -hmm. we'll have to we'll have to chronicle the story going forward but yeah yeah what's coming next is another oscar race checkpoint but again kind of looking forward to next year's films i am going to be reviewing i hope 17 sundance movies that I'm going to watch over the next few days. That's three days, Three days and one night. Last year I did more. Last year I did 30. But this year I kind of honed in on the awards winners. And, and I'm going to do my best to watch. Last year it drove you to alcoholism. I was an alcoholic for a couple days there. I think that's, hyper, <laughs> that's hyperbole. Yeah. I, you know, I got to pick up some Guinness. It's a good point. <laughs> and if he just hammered all weekend. 
<laughs> it's not the worst thing in the world, but uh, I watched. I mean, I watched some good movies. The problem is, I watched a lot of bad movies. You know what you should do? Movies I didn't like. Uh, is for our review, you should like put since there's 17 of them, put them in groups of like four, and then have a fake premise and see if I can pick out which is the fake premise that you put in. Amongst why do I have to premises. include you? Why can't you just... Uh... <laughs> because I want to have fun. <laughs> you want a fake premise and you want a real premise. Like you put the, give me the four real premises of movies you watch and then you come up with a fake premise and just see if I can pick it out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the ask and you shall receive. <laughs> <laughs> giving you homework on something. You don't have to do that, by the way. You tell I me may to go do F that. myself. No, no, no. I'm going right. to do that. It's now. up to you. If you, if you find joy in it, do it. But don't, don't do it because I'm just rambling here. Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, I think we need to find some joy after this uh, 48 hours on film Twitter because, yeah, it was it's getting ugly out there, Mike. Yeah, just... Ain't much better in here, kid. <laughs> Sorry, you set me up. I now set you up. just can't leave. <laughs> Guys, when reality sucks, you can burn down Twitter with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round. Without the stuffiness, we will see you all very soon. See ya.